question. If I were to ask you right this second to write down all of the subscriptions you pay for each month, would you be able to do it without missing one? It's more difficult than it sounds, especially with so many options and those sneaky free trials that you sometimes forget to cancel. What if I told you I had the perfect solution to help you with this exact problem? Why don't you try Rocket Money? With the help of Rocket Money, I was able to see each and every single subscription I pay for, even the ones I totally forgot I had. I'm sure you've been there too, but Rocket Money can help cancel it with just a few taps. Between streaming platforms, apps, delivery services, and even parenting and kids subscriptions, it's hard to keep track of exactly what you're spending and how much it all adds up to each month. Not to mention the fact that it seems every single day, one of those subscriptions suddenly jumps up in price. Rocket Money alerts you when this happens, so you're never caught unawares. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Take control over your finances and with the help of Rocket Money's easy-to-use dashboard, compare your monthly spending and make saving money easier than ever. They'll also try to negotiate lowering your bills up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll even deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of 500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. That's rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Have you ever come home from a long day just to find out that that meat you needed for your recipe has totally slipped your mind the last time you went to the grocery store? Well, with the help of ButcherBox, you might never have to deal with that problem ever again. With ButcherBox, you get the convenience of having high-quality meat and seafood delivered straight to your door. Not to mention the peace of mind you get to feel knowing that it's 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free. All humanely raised with no antibiotics or added hormones. Let ButcherBox help make your life even easier. No grocery store required. In addition to free shipping on every order, you get to curate your box plans, have access to member-exclusive deals, get recipe ideas and inspiration, as well as helpful tips. You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up for ButcherBox today by going to butcherbox.com slash morningcup and use the code morningcup at checkout and enjoy your choice of bone-in chicken thighs, top sirloins, or salmon in every box for an entire year. Plus, get $20 off. Again, that's butcherbox.com slash morningcup and use the code morningcup. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. What interferes with your happiness? What are some things standing in the way of being the best version of you? For a lot of people, life, your past, and sometimes your current situation can cause roadblocks in your life. Mental health is incredibly important, and so many, including myself, can benefit from talking to a professional and working to dismantle those roadblocks. That's why I'm excited to talk to you guys about BetterHelp. BetterHelp knows no two people are the same and will help to assess your personal needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. These incredibly convenient appointments are in a safe and completely private online environment, and you can start chatting with your new therapist in under 24 hours. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling. 
You can message with your counselor at any time and get a timely response, plus schedule weekly video or phone sessions, which means no driving to an office, no waiting rooms, and no awkward small talk. Just meaningful sessions with experts who specialize in things like depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, trauma, family conflict, LGBTQ matters, grief, and so much more. There is truly someone there for everyone. And BetterHelp is committed to finding your perfect match, which means if you and your counselor don't mesh for whatever reason, they make it easy and free to seek someone new if needed. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And with financial aid available and access worldwide, they truly make it easy for anyone to seek the help they need. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash morning cup. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a... Weird homicide. described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. What would you do if you woke up only to find a loved one was missing from their bed? That is exactly what happened to a San Diego family on February 1st, 2002. And 26 days later, they would have the horrific answers when searchers found the body of their seven-year-old daughter. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, Sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Seven-year-old Danielle Van Dam was put to bed around 10.30 p.m. on February 1st, 2002 by her father, Damon, who was watching his daughter for the evening so her mother, Brenda, could go out with a few friends. The women went to a local Poway bar called Dad's, had some fun, and Brenda returned home around 2 a.m. with four of her friends. She noticed that the light on the home security system was blinking and that the side door was open, but didn't really think too much about it. Their arrival woke up Damon and the six adults chatted for a bit before the friends headed home and Damon and Brenda went back to bed, all while assuming they had a successful night out and that Danielle was sound asleep in her bed. About an hour later, Damon woke up and noticed the home alarm light was still flashing, something he didn't notice the first time and that the sliding glass door leading to the backyard was open. He closed it, assuming that one of the women had just opened it and he didn't notice, and went back to bed. When the couple woke the next morning, Danielle was nowhere to be found. They called the police at 9.39 a.m. on February 2, 2002. Police arrived and began interviewing the parents and their neighbors, asking if anyone had seen anything of importance in the last few days. What they discovered was that one of the Van Dam's neighbors, a man named David Westerfield, was nowhere to be found. David, 49, was a self-employed engineer who held patents for medical devices, had no criminal record, was a divorced father of two, and lived just two houses away from Danielle and her parents. At first, they just wanted to talk to him, figuring that his close proximity to the crime may have given him a good vantage point to see anything suspicious. In fact, just three days before the abduction, Danielle and her mother had gone to his home to sell him some Girl Scout cookies, and he invited them inside so Brenda could see his remodeled kitchen. So he knew exactly what she looked like and was a pretty good witness option as far as police were concerned. Except when police took a look at his whereabouts, they start to raise some suspicion. On the morning of February 2nd, David went and got his motorhome, 
stocked it up with supplies, and left all just minutes after Danielle was reported missing. Witnesses and David himself would later tell police that he had taken his motorhome to a nearby desert and beach, stayed at the beach campground, went back for his wallet so he could stay at the desert instead after the beach got too cold, got stuck in the sand on Sunday morning, the day after Danielle was reported missing, and returned home Monday morning tired and barefoot. He relayed all of this information to police when they caught up with him in great detail, but left out one particularly important piece of information. That, on his way back home, he stopped at his regular dry cleaners to drop off two comforters, two pillowcases, and a jacket. A jacket that had trace amounts of blood matching Danielle Van Dam. Raising suspicion and not yet knowing about the blood traces, David Westerfield was placed under 24-hour surveillance starting on February 4th, and later had his motorhome, SUV, and other property impounded and tested. Despite keeping an eye on him and constantly questioning him, David insisted to police that he did not know where Danielle was, but that he had been in the same bar as Brenda and her friends the night of the disappearance. On February 22, 2002, police found two small bloodstains on some clothing in his motorhome and arrested David for Danielle's kidnapping. Investigators found fingerprints and hairs belonging to Danielle and hairs belonging to her family dog. Unfortunately, that kidnapping charge would change to murder just five days later when Danielle's nude, partially decomposed body was found near a trail in Dehesa, California, a route that David had taken during his trip to the desert. Because of her decomposition, investigators were unable to determine if she had been sexually assaulted or her cause of death. David Westerfield was charged with kidnapping and first-degree murder, and after pleading not guilty, went to trial on June 4th, 2002. David's lawyers attempted to argue that David, who was interrogated for more than nine hours, was unfairly questioned by police. According to them, police ignored his repeated request to call his lawyer and kept him from eating, sleeping, and showering. That they were in a rush to solve the case and refused to consider any other suspects and that an entomologist who studied her remains said that her body would have been disposed of sometime in mid-February, long after David was placed under police surveillance. They also took the opportunity to scrutinize the Van Dams and their lifestyle, claiming that they were in an open marriage, were swingers, and smoked marijuana in their garage, that they were exactly the type to allow unsavory people in their home. In total, the trial lasted two months, and concluded with David being found guilty of first-degree murder, kidnapping, and possession of child pornography. At his sentencing hearing, David's now 19-year-old niece testified that when she was seven years old, she woke up to find her uncle rubbing her teeth. He was sentenced to death for his charges. When the trial ended, the media quoted an unknown police source that stated that David's lawyers were just minutes away from negotiating a plea bargain when Danielle's body was found, that he planned on taking them to the location of her body in exchange for life without parole. This meant that any and all arguments and theories made by David's lawyer during the trial were purposely misleading. The public was outraged. David remains at San Quentin State Prison, at San Quentin State Prison with an appeal pending, waiting to see if he will actually ever face death. Not long after being sentenced, the Van Dam sued David and settled out of court for $416,000, 
as well as preventing him from ever profiting off of the crime. In 2003, a letter supposedly from a man named James Selby came to police taking responsibility for Danielle's death, as well as various other sex-related crimes in five states, including that of John Benet Ramsey. The letter was seen as not credible, and James later committed suicide while awaiting sentencing. Shortly after the trial, legal activist Gloria Allred pointed out that David's lawyers argued to avoid the death penalty that Danielle was killed in her bed, therefore kidnapping wasn't possible for someone who was already deceased. She pointed out the loophole in the California law during a press conference after the trial and worked with the Van Dams to pass Danielle's law, a law that made it a death penalty special circumstance to kill a child in his or her own home. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear a terrible thing happened on February 2nd. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.